Joe is going to save these things, and he's going to use them in attack ads against me when I run for office. Marking that for the opening of the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 139, November's Doom. Hosted by Dan Terry. The floor is indeed made of floor. Welcome to our Department of Redundancy Department. And if you need any funds, just go straight to the ATM machine. At 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Mike Yaney. How's it hanging? And Joseph Wren. This girl met a boy, and he's not Macaulay Culkin, but, <laughs> you know, he knows how to talk to animals. In, like, one shot in the movie, he's like, ah! Are you implying that Macaulay Culkin does not know how to talk to animals? Well, he does have a website called bunnyears.com. It is awesome. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think the real November's Doom is Dan Terry installing another source port in autumn, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is Mike. God. We let you out of the hole after the Opeth episode. He's been in a hole the whole time. Oh, man. See what I did there? Oh, the wonders I saw. Just in time for some November's doom. Well, to answer your question, Joe, I only use GZ Doom. <laughs> I don't install a new source port every season. To be fair, GZ Doom is the definitive source port if you want complete control of your Doom experience. Yeah. Or Heretic or Hexen. Yes. My personal favorite. Hexen Meister. I prefer Heretic, actually. I mean, not over Doom. I mean, Doom's fucking, you know, great. No love for Daikatana? Well, you can't run it in GG Doom, so why do I care? You can't run it on a modern system without a patch. Give me your fucking patch. We've got a motherfucker of a band to talk about this week. Oh. Another motherfucker. Yeah, like, I think I described Napalm Death as a motherfucker. And uh, Carcass. No, Seven no, Dust. Correction. Cannibal Corpse, not Carcass. Fuck. Was a motherfucker. With 14 albums. November's Doom, man, they've got like, what, I don't know, 27, 28 albums, something yeah, like, like that? like 10? Exactly 10, yeah. soon to be 11, coming soon to a Patreon review near you. You might be asking why we're talking about November's Doom in October, and the reason for that is we've been putting this episode off for two fucking years. That's yeah, cold enough. Pretty early on, people were like, you should do a November's Doom episode, and I'm like, oh, I want to, because I like that band, but just could never bring myself to do it. And here we are. Just two weeks before Halloween, celebrating the glory that is November's Doom. And by glory, I mean it basically becomes Opeth about halfway through. <laughs> is yeah. that Devil's Light playing right now? Absolutely. Okay. I can't believe I remembered that. I just heard it, like, yesterday. <laughs> See, this is an example of a band that is kind of progressive, but gives you a reason to come back and listen to it. You recognize the song as opposed to other bands that kind of all run together for an hour and a half. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. November's Doom, well, they can kind of run together, too. It's not that I don't enjoy a good run. Well, I, I don't, let's be honest. <laughs> but if I did, I, I would do it while listening to November's Doom, which means I might be power walking, never at a full-on run. <laughs> well, before Dan gets his new electric bike for Christmas, I want to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. 
We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. I'm going to read one for you right now. You got time for that, right, Joe? We got all the time in the world. This one is short and sweet, which is what I love about it. This is from Eden's Wreckage. I wonder if that's anything like Eden in Ruins. I'll have to look into that. Great podcast, but leans towards the cynical. It's like having a discussion with that one friend who will never agree with you. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Terry. Sorry I interrupted. (laughs) How you doing? That being said, you'll love it and hate it if you're thin-skinned about your musical taste. Keep it up, guys. We will keep it up for as long as metal is... I actually don't have an end for that because I don't know if we have an end anywhere in sight for this podcast. Not anytime soon. There's way too many bands to get through. We at least have to get through all the bands the listeners have suggested, which is like somewhere around 200. So we've got some time. You're stuck with us. Even if you finished all the metal, there would still be so much metal-influenced crap out there. I don't know, man. In 50 years, to be like, yeah, we did it, guys. We covered all of metal. <laughs> Welcome to episode 5,000. Who the fuck am I? Welcome to die. We got a comment on episode 53, Pig Destroyer. Ooh, that's going back. Random Album says, I first got into Pig Destroyer when I saw the video where the vocalist Mike wasn't working and he finished the song Screaming Without a Mic, and you could still hear him over the instruments. This is dedication. I respect Pig Destroyer based upon that fact alone. Well, we found a video from CBGB's around 2000 where it wasn't that his mic wasn't working, he broke it in the middle of the song. So he broke it, and then it was not working. And then he finished the song. Dedication. Amazing dedication, if I do say so myself. Big Destroyer just gives me a happy feeling inside. On Facebook, in regards to our episode with Morgan Rose of Seven Dust, Christina Gallert says, That was amazing. Morgan is the best. And I wholeheartedly agree. Morgan was absolutely the best. No disrespect to anybody else we've had on the show, but... Dude basically sat down and gave us his life story. We were not expecting it. We were happy about it. It was definitely a very, very eye-opening discussion. He's still one of the best in my eyes. That will not change. In regards to that episode, we also got three comments on the Discography Discussion group, which you can totally join. I'll tell you how to at the end of the episode. Adam Cox says, fire, fab. Duke Cannon says, can't wait to get off work and listen to this one. Michael Morgan says, this is one of my favorite episodes so far. Awesome interview. I think it would be cool to have Morgan on another episode. I've always liked Seven Dust, but after listening to this interview, I feel like I have a newfound appreciation for the band and their music. Well, that's really cool. Right on. What else can you say? It was a two-hour ongoing discussion about not just Seven Dust discography, but Morgan's personal account of what was going on during all of those recordings and everywhere in between. Dude, it was almost a monologue. Joe and I kept looking at each other being like, I'm not going to interrupt him. (laughs) I also want to take this time to say thank you to all of our patrons. Brandon Miller says, finally got in on the Patreon game. The It Prevails episode did me in. Now I guess I've got to suggest a Patreon review. Brutus by Saints Never Surrender. Let's do it. I mean, not right now. Later. Patrick Aspelin says, in regards to the Nothing by Corn Patreon review we did, didn't care for this album at all. I loved the serenity of suffering, but this is far from that. Apparently it was going to be super heavy instrumental wise before Jonathan's wife died. After that whole atmosphere changed the album's writing process. That was my observation, almost entirely. 
it didn't feel like the same album they started with and all respect to Jonathan Davis, but it just didn't do it for me this time. But I'm still giving it a few more tries before I give my final verdict on that particular record. I don't think it's total shit, but you know, when the band has this many albums out, it's not like you can't go listen to another album and enjoy that. I didn't really have much of a problem with this one. Like, I don't love it, but it definitely like isn't pissing me off that it exists, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, Dan, tell me about November's Doom. November's Doom is an American band. They're actually not far from us, uh, based out of Chicago, Illinois, which is really weird because like you hear a band that sounds like this and you think, so what part of Sweden did you guys come from? Right. I thought exactly the same thing. Yeah. I was thinking Netherlands, Sweden, something like that. But no, they are uh, they are all American, boys and occasionally girls. And I will tell you that they are an interesting example of Death Doom. So they started as like a Death Doom band, similar to bands like My Dying Bride or uh, bands uh, or, or like Paramecium, who we've done an episode on. You should check that out. And... Uh, it's very interesting to hear an American band playing this style when they started way back in 1989. Now, when they started, they were like a death metal thrash band called Laceration, which is a fucking great name for a band like that. But as time went on, they kind of slowed down a little bit. They went for that heavier style. There was a time where the slower you played, that made it more brutal somehow or, or crushing or whatever you want to call it. I like what bands like My Dying Bride did back then, and apparently November's Doom was doing it as early as 1991 here in America, and so I think that's really what makes them very notable in the scene is that they've kind of always been around, and uh, they've been bringing their own brand of doom metal in the beginning, which would lead to more of a uh, progressive death metal sound later on. It makes me wonder just how many more bands in America were doing that at the same time. Because I, I listened to a few interviews with the lead singer, and he seems to be of the mind that really this was going on in America at the same time it was going on in Europe too. Like it kind of like had like a separate genesis, so to speak. I believe that. Another example of great minds think alike. Very much so. For some reason, the same thing was going on in two different places at once. Just a common feeling or a common. It's probably pulling from the, exactly the same influences, for one thing. I mean, you know, you get a sweet, you sit down with a Swede and an American and let them both listen to a Black Sabbath album, especially the earlier stuff. They might eventually go on to do something like this completely independently. I agree with that. It's it's like same think, you know, or I don't know if that's the right term for it, but similar thinking. I mean, it dates back all through humanity, where you know, different parts of the world suddenly figured out how to farm. Yeah. Or suddenly figured out how, you know... Writing and all that stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely something that I think there are certain things that are innately supposed to happen, and evidently one of those things is slow, drudgy, <laughs> death, doom metal. There's which, hope for humanity if that's the case. Totally, man. I, this is this is actually one of my guilty pleasure type of styles of music. I, I enjoy these slower, doomier bands. I think part of it is just because I'm getting old and... It just oh, I've always enjoyed it totally guilt-free. It, yeah. It's nice to concentrate, too. It's nice to even meditate, too. It's weird, but it really brings me a lot of inner peace. Yeah, I don't have a lot of inner peace. <laughs> but I, I can sometimes get there with some of these albums because one thing I like about Death Doom, and we'll, we'll try to focus this more on November's Doom as it goes on, but 
one of the things I like about Death Doom is that despite being very bleak music, it always comes across as having kind of a positive vibe. It's catharsis, you know. Yeah, it's that same feeling that you get. Like you mentioned this, I forget about uh, some band a long time ago. I forget who it was, but you mentioned like the concept of just hearing someone else who is is equally pissed off or as sad as you actually is. It feels good. It feels like you're not entirely alone. Absolutely, like it's definitely one of those, like you know, nobody understands how I feel. Oh shit! Well, this guy does. Yeah, he fucking nailed it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's like, hey man, I've I've thought that <laughs> reading through the lyric book. I'd like to hang out and be <laughs> depressed together. Yeah, like let's let's do it. <laughs> let's still hang out in the woods. <laughs> totally. November's Doom has kind of humble beginnings in that they, you know, like like kind of speaking to what Mike said, there were probably tons of other bands doing this at the same time in America. November's Doom was probably just one of the lucky ones that got signed. And, and we're able to put out a full-length album and kind of beat everybody else to the finish line as far as uh, being heard. And uh, their first album, which is called Within Its Hollowed Mirth. Amid Its oh, Hollowed Mirth. Fuck. 1995. Like, you see, holy, it's, it's holy to be happy. Is that what they're saying? Maybe. Uh, I mean, I have, another, I have another name for this album. It's called Amongst This Shallow Girth. And that's just because this album is... So I did a Thrift Blast episode recently where I said this was a fucking great doom metal album. And I still believe that. I do. Here it comes. However, this thing goes on for fucking ever. One hour and 19 minutes. Well, not <laughs> not really. So not necessarily. So the, the version of it that I have only has nine songs. And it clocks in at like 47 minutes, which is not terribly long. But like you take the music that's on the album... It is very My Dying Bride, Paramecium, slow, agonizing riffs. I don't know if it's as slow as Paramecium, man. I mean, no matter how slow you play, you can always play slower, right? Get a little more up on that mic, Mike. Sludgy, like you mixed cornstarch slurry into that. You just wasted it around for hours. It's a tough (laughs) listen if you don't listen to doom metal all the time. How did this get signed and put out in 1995. This is the polar opposite of everything in the 90s that was popular <laughs> or even remotely popular in the 90s. Yeah. Even amongst metal, Napalm Death, Cannibal Corpse, what they were doing, who decided this was something people needed to hear more of? People who liked European styles of metal, I think. You know, even if this rate came up independently in America, well, a lot of people probably got into this style through bands like Opeth. I'm still surprised, though. It it seems like the ultimate oddball. It seems like something that you'd have to have money and find passion in this style of music to release it. But there weren't very many bands like this. Oh. If there's a market for grindcore back in the 90s, there would be a market for this. That's not necessarily true, though. So My Dying Bride put out their Turn Loose the Swans album in 1993, which was a very similar style to this. And I believe Paramecium's Exhumed of the Earth was 92 or 93. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I mean, I think I think this is a style that was gaining popularity in the underground. This is, this is a little bit before black metal. Maybe I'm not being fair, because even Nirvana put out their first record on Sub Pop. It was a local thing, 
and everybody noticed it. And later on, we got Nevermind. So somebody had to notice this and say, I want to put this out. This is going to be a big deal. I think that it had gained popularity. I think that death metal was starting to wind down, like in the 92, 93. Like, death metal obviously persevered and still exists today, yeah. but uh, it was it was kind of at the at the end of its, oh my God, listen to how fucking shocking this is. You know, like those bands obviously had their day in the sun. So I think a band like November's Doom or My Dying Bride, they were providing that same type of extremity, the the guttural cookie monster vocals and the, the, the slow agonizing riffs, but like they're still death metal riffs. They're just, they're just played very slowly. There's a much bigger influence of bands like Black Sabbath or Trouble in here or Candlemass. I or, can see that now that you pointed it out. This is completely just a theory here. I don't even know if it's remotely true, but you get, a, especially with what's going on in the background, we hear lots of operatic vocals. We hear lots of very, uh, the lyrics are very romanticized, very sorrowful, hearkening back to romance of various kinds. It could be great many people that might listen to gothic music might also listen to doom metal because it shares a lot of those same sort of thematic elements. Absolutely, and a few years later we got gothic doom metal. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> it's not that much of a bridge to cross. I don't think that your theory is far off. So, what do we make of this record? You know, because like I, man- I, I mentioned my dying bride's turn loose the swans, which I think is a classic in this genre. Uh, Paramecium's exhumed to the earth is fantastic if you like Christian stuff. And or even if you just like doom metal, I think that record actually stands alongside of stuff like My Dying Bride or Catatonia or bands like that. And I think my only issue with this is that while it's a great, great representation of the style, and it's notable that they were seemingly the first American band to play this style of music, you know, like I think that's that's what carries this. But I don't necessarily think that amid its hallowed mirth is as much of a classic as the albums that I mentioned. I think that they're good. I think they have they have that style, but they're not it's not necessarily original. It's kind of a it's almost like a tribute to the bands that I just mentioned. You know, and then you could say they're a peer or, or whatever, but I think aesthetically alone, when I'm listening to this, I'd rather like I don't like it as much as I like Turn Loose the Swans or Exhume to the Earth. So like what is it about this record that would make me listen to this instead of those? Just to have more Doom in your collection? Well, definitely. And it's definitely, it, I mean, it is for sure in my collection. <laughs> but it's not necessarily something I would seek out. I mean, I, I bought this album on a thrift, not too far from here, actually, at a, at a bookstore. <laughs> I don't think that this band really started coming into their own musically until their second album of Sculptured Ivy and Stone Flowers. 1999. It took a while to get there, didn't it? I don't know what you're doing for four years when this is the style of music that you play. I mean, it, t- it takes a while. It would be risky. Oh, I see what you did there. It would be a risk to just put out every song every two years and just have these hour-long dirging albums, and I know a lot of people do that. But this is not the same band. It doesn't feel the same. You mentioned Opeth earlier. I'm not going to make a direct comparison, but you can hear the progressive influences and the melodic insertion that 
changes what this band is going to do for the next 20 years. Yeah, this is where they, according to so much that I've read about it, that's where you start hearing the genre term doom, de- like death doom, being thrown around. Even though I don't really see that much that's death medley about it besides the vocals, to be honest. They are an aspect, and I think that's where a lot of people get it from. You know, you because you have alongside of this, you still have traditional doom metal, which is still going on. You know, you've you've got shit like uh, Paradise Lost, which had started as more of a death doom kind of band, but eventually moved on to like just straight doom, and then eventually gothic metal later, and uh, and you know stuff like Amorphous and stuff, and and like Candlemass was still going strong at this time. So I think. I think what sets this record apart, especially from the first album, and to you know to, to answer your question, Joe, it is a different band on this album. So uh, the vocalist is is the same, but the rest of the band is essentially swapped out. So you have a whole different band, a whole different set of influences here, and I think this is better. This has large doses of gothic metal in it, which I think makes it flow a little bit better gives the songs a little bit more of an epic feel because i don't care what anybody says when you're just playing slow riffs growling over them it's not as epic of a feel as you might think that it is it definitely isn't it doesn't have the atmosphere is what you're saying right because you you feel it does have an atmosphere but it's it's not an epic one it it has the atmosphere of you being like buried buried alive (laughs) yeah like it's lacking emotion correct so like with this album they kind of pulled a paramecium again where when Paramecium on their second album went into went into the ancient forest, you know, and had a lot of traditional instruments and, and things like that, medieval instruments. There's like harpsichord and shit on that album, and uh, it, it has a much different atmosphere. This record attempts to do the same thing, but it branches off in its own way. In my opinion, this is the first real November's Doom album. Like I feel like when they decided to start a band, they had always kind of wanted to do something like this. And this, I mean, I, the material on this record is just fucking fantastic. This makes Amid It's Hollowed Mirth sound like an experiment. It actually makes the first record sound like the lead singer walked in one day and said, guys, that thing that we're doing, we need to just do the heaviest, dirgiest thing possible, but still be melodic. And that was the record that we got first because it was their best attempt at just changing their style overnight. This sounds like they've had time to play that style and develop it so that we can comfortably have the dirge but still be somewhat melodically interesting. Or more realistically, different people that had a, a little bit more finessed version of that. Yeah, because the Emitted's Hollowed Mirth sounds just like a standard Doom album. There's nothing to really differentiate it from a lot that's going out in the scene in general. By the time you get to have sculpted ivy and stone flowers, that's when you're like, okay, this sounds like November's Doom. Because I came to it through a pale hot departure, and I didn't recognize the Minotaur album. If I had heard that album before I knew it was November's Doom, and I just thought it was like, well, this is some nice Doom. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Like, we're not shitting on that album, but it's not as good as this. They're definitely a band that learned to improve. One thing that's very notable in this record is the addition of clean vocals. There was a little bit on the first album, but this album... He kind of comes at it from a very melancholy place, and they throw in those female vocals, but it's not like it's not an operatic female vocal. It's it's just a person singing, and that that to me is much more personal, much more human 
than just the over-the-top operatic singing because that'll just kind of blend into the background of the songs. And you're because when you hear operatic vocals, you're not really paying attention to what they're saying. It can be utilized very well. I mean, there's plenty of bands out there that do it right, like Black Tape for a Blue Girl. But um, in doom metal, you have to. I, I find that a lot of people just tend to tack it on there as a stylistic choice. Absolutely. And I think this record just really shows off what the band can do. And I think this style is ultimately more marketable than Amid It's Hollowed Mirth, which is you have to be an underground doom metal fan to enjoy that. Whereas this is the kind of record where you can kind of show it to people that are kind of into extreme stuff. But a a variety of different people can get something out of this album versus you having to be a fan of a specific style. This can almost appeal to the classic metal fan as something more modern the opeth fans in the room are gonna pay attention because it still has that melodic european feel to it and the death vocals death vocals (laughs) are always a plus heavily melodic music with uh death vocals (laughs) i think that's a good descriptor of this band they're uh they're a melodic heavy band with death vocals like mike said there's not really a whole lot of death metal here the only, the only death metal is is the vocals. Conceptually death metal. There's no blast beats here, no speed riffs, no crazy cat strangler solos. <laughs> cat strangling solos. Yes, everything is everything's very intentional here. No shredding. No shredding, and no no real showing off. Unless unless by showing off you mean playing like melodic, acoustic-y type shit you know like now we get a few really incredible solos later on in their career but not so much right now not right now right now they're still a doom band which i have to laugh a little bit at a band called november's doom being a doom metal band it definitely is kind of trite to me and i think it becomes trite to them later on (laughs) Uh, but for right now they're they're happy with where they're at you're starting to hear a little bit of that it's actually kind of funny so like we're going to compare this band to Opeth a little bit because, a, like, purely on a cosmetic level, they, it's are, inevitable. They, are, they are very similar in styles. Except for the fact that Opeth was a progressive metal band from the beginning. Whereas I don't think that in November's Doom is really being progressive here. They're, they're mixing a lot of elements together, most, new, most notably traditional Doom metal, gothic metal, and having death metal vocals on top of it. Whereas Opeth was more of like a Swedish death metal band with progressive tendencies. They don't sound the same here. But what I find interesting is that some of the riffs, some of the ideas sound like Opeth would sound later. So it's interesting that this band did Opeth before Opeth did. And doesn't get nearly enough credit for that. All right. We're ready to move on to The Knowing, right? Okay. 2000. The Knowing, this is where... Going through their discography, like I actually started to kind of sit up and be like, okay, now you've got my attention. I like the knowing. What's so special about the knowing, Mike? Lyrically, it's got this almost suicidal kind of tendency. Dan, I need you to get out of Mike's head. It's very, <laughs> it's very direct. There's, it, they, they're dealing a lot with depression, with just feelings of just loss and feeling of love dying. All this, all this kind of stuff just seems to me to be incredibly candid. And very, very unlike so much. I, I mean, it's it's maybe not so much of a stretch for like doom and like a melodic death metal stuff like that. 
but it just seems to be really from the heart and really direct here in this album. And musically, it seems a bit more polished. It's, it's the most polished one yet, so I like it. It does sound incredibly good, and I think it's... I don't want to use the word testament, but yeah, fuck it. It's, <laughs> it's a testament to the hard work that they put into this project. That despite the fact that they kind of hit a home run on the last album, they didn't rest on those laurels. They weren't like, okay, this is what we sound like now. They're going to do that later. Spoilers. Yeah. But right now we've got a november's doom that is that is striving forward they're 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 pushing their sound because they don't feel like they've necessarily nailed their view on the world yet i don't hear a lot different about this album but it's the next thing by this band and they've clearly put time into it it is cleaner the band is playing together more so than just making melodic doomish metal to me, I don't know if I'm tripping here, but I'm getting kind of some alt-rockish influences, some feel that pops up again and like, every once in a while throughout this album. It just sounds a lot different from the previous two. I don't know. See, I think you're correct. It has American alternative rock influences that will become more and more apparent as we go on, whereas Opeth leaned on the dissonant, acoustic, trying-to-be-evil-sounding melodic pieces that would come in Watershed and Deliverance Damnation. And, and just straight-up blues, I mean. <laughs> well, that's just ridiculous, Mike. <laughs> yeah. No, blues hasn't influenced almost all of metal. What are you talking about? I think you guys are right about that, though. Like, this is the first album where they start sounding distinctly American, which is a little bit, you know, like, it's hard to put your finger on, like, what makes it sound more American. I guess it's because it doesn't have a whole bunch of those weird Swedish folk melodies that you get with right, yeah, with a lot of European bands, Medi- mm. medieval church modes almost. Yeah, yeah, and like this is more blending a variety of emotions than like Joe said, where like Opeth was like, well, how do we sound dark? How do we sound evil? Let's just do that. They pulled it off. Yeah, no- <laughs> November's Doom though, they're not necessarily focused on being evil. They don't have like Cookie Monster. This is the song where I ate your children, and now there's nothing <laughs> that you can do. You know, like they're not—they're not necessarily trying to. You know, it's funny you say that because right about here is where it starts to sound a little opeth-ish. It does. It does sound a little <laughs> opeth. But but again, this is in 2000, so they they still sound opeth before opeth did. And that's an interesting note. Uh, they do definitely have a little like because this album reminds me a lot of opeth's "My Arms Your Hearse." Uh, it has a lot of similarities there, although Which it doesn't have demons, this, doesn't it? I don't know. I want to say yes because, like Blackwater Park and Deliverance and all that was around like 1999, 2001-ish, right? So it's around the same time that all this is happening. So Mike's saying it's before. Dan, are you willing to put five bucks on it's after? I don't have five bucks. <laughs> I don't carry cash anymore. Okay, so my arms, your hearse came out in '98. Yeah. So. Okay, so all right, so that the influence is there. The influence is there. They, if they had not to, the commonality of thought. There's no way these guys didn't hear that album. Yeah, right. Opeth's kind of the torchbearer of of that style, but again, I don't think that they sound like Opeth here. I do think that they combine a lot of different emotions on this album, and that's one of the things I like about November's Doom is that they are melodic and heavy at the same time, which sounds like okay, a lot of bands do that, but. The way they do it, they convey emotion better in the heavy sense, whereas a lot of bands, 
in order to convey emotion, have to change up what their style is. Whereas with November's Doom, they kind of blend it in a way that it makes sense. Where like, if you're just here for the riffs, you've got those. But if you're here for the emotional experience, you're gonna you're gonna get that too. There's not like they don't they don't do what uh, I hate to keep bringing up Opeth, but like they don't do what Opeth was doing at the time, which was like heavy, 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 heavy. Okay, stop. Play melodic interlude. Throw some fucking singing on it. And then go back to playing heavy again. Right. Uh, they, like, November's Doom takes all that and mushes it together in a way where the songs flow better. They're trying to create a cohesive song or a cohesive composition. Yes. Which Opeth does that as well, but this is less of a stylistic change every 30 to 40 seconds. This is an example of the beat just keeps going. It's very classic rock in that way. We might go on for seven minutes. There might be a piece over here in the middle where there's no vocals going on, but they're just trying to tie it all together, which is a very American thing that we tried to steal from the English rock bands of the 60s and the 70s. Right, it doesn't go on, like it doesn't move on to an entirely different section like a lot of the more European bands tend to do, I've noticed. That was one of the things we were lacking. A lot of our bands, they would have a riff or they would have a passage and they would just keep going with that we didn't have the ability to back off the same way. It's very subtle, but it is there. And I think November's Doom at this point is showing that tendency. And I think the band for a long time has fought the Opeth comparison. Oh yeah, they hate it. <laughs> but I think this is like this album especially is proof that I think both bands arrived at similar conclusions from different paths. It's the argument about patenting engineering designs. If you give two engineers the same problem, what is the logical way they're going to solve it? If they solve it the same way, you can't patent that button on the front of your phone. Right. Yeah, the problem is with only a handful of bands like this, if there's similarities, then it's going to be much more glaring. If there were more like 50 melodic Death Doom bands out there, then the comparisons wouldn't have been such a big problem. Yeah, and I think I think people are also more simple-minded than that. That's right. All people except me. <laughs> here uh, it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, know, fucking, here it comes. Fucking people and, uh, their, and their bullshit. I am the only one. Well, here's my bullshit. I think a lot of people just think November's Doom sounds like Opeth because there's death vocals and clean singing. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. It sounds more underground than Opeth ever did. Uh, dude, 100%. <laughs> that's all I have to say. 100%. <laughs> What's the definition of underground death metal in 2000, regardless uh. of tempo? It's the music is up here. It's kind of alt rockish in its production, and then there's just a guy in the back of the mix, <laughs> but much lower. That's what this sounds like. It just sounds like they put some more effort into it. If I heard this album standalone, I might think this was just an underground band who had a little bit of a budget. Well, they were that, but I think their quality, like that's oh yes, that's one thing that I like about these first few albums is that they are so quality for probably being recorded on not that big of a budget, yet they're able to combine all of these elements together in such a way that it goes down really well. I mean, I've got nothing bad to say about the second and third November's Doom albums. I mean, I think that they were they were great. I don't think they're masterpieces of the genre, but they don't have to be that either. As long as I enjoy listening to them, then that's the price of admission. There's something special about the knowing. I mean, to keep totally. it up with the lyrics, uh, also 
just to quote a few of them, like there's this constant stream of being unable or afraid to admit that love or any other form of like passion you used to have is dying. Such as, quote, I no longer see a future with your smile. I hold the answers to the questions that I dare not speak. That's just like a guy saying, yeah, I'm, I know what needs to happen and I'm afraid of it. And that's something that I know is, um, I don't hear very much in music at all, <laughs> in general. Totally. I actually like the first, uh, like the intro track, Awaken, where he says, my eyes open with dawn, the sun shines on my face, I will die someday. Until that day, I embrace the knowing. Mm. And then throughout the rest of the album, he explains exactly what he means by that. Yeah. You know, and th- and like that's that's thematically great without having the puffiness or the pretentiousness of it being a concept album. Well, yeah, that's also another thing is you talk about pretentiousness, pretentiousness being rife in metal in general to where it's just like, you know, you're such a badass, you're built up, you're evil and everything. This is more like, no, dude, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to die someday. Like, I legit have. And that's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, like one of these days, you're going to buy a leather jacket and a motorcycle and have a lid- midlife crisis. Yeah. I'm not going to have that. I've known since day one that I'm going to die. Maybe not day one, let's be honest. When day one, you were shit yourself, just like the rest of us. Happy death day. But, you know, I, I understand the sentiments and I appreciate it. And that's what makes this record special for me is that, like, not only is he able to have this concept of, uh, of like, yeah, I'm going to die someday, and until then, I'm just going to embrace what I know about the world. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, that's that's very profound without being, like, overindulgent about it. Like, I know it's uh, maybe a bit of a stretch, but it reminds me of that one Dead Sea lyric from Phantasmagore, you know? I'm going to use life. I'm going to live life for what it's worth. Ah, something like that. Yeah. I forget the exact lyric. I'm butchering it already. No, but, I hear you. I hear yeah. you, though. It's definitely a good record, and it's it's probably one of my favorites. It's not my very favorite by the band, but it is goddamn close. Yeah. It's a good one. 2002. To welcome the fade. <laughs> and you thought we were done with Opeth comparisons. <laughs> it's the way this opens. Like, listen to this. It's very hard to get away from. It's not their fault that Opeth did this thing once where they played a semi-thrash riff and the drummer did a straight double bass snare drum on the one thing. (laughs) But once it's been done and you're in the studio, no matter what your idea was, no matter what your concept was for how this album opens, guys, we got to do something else because listen to this. It's back to that whole thing. It's like, is this truly independent? Are they just unlucky enough to keep on doing the same things? I think they are. There's enough commonality in their creative choices that you could accuse them of just ripping off Opeth, but they're so adamantly against that comparison. It's got to be... Well, it's not just adamantly, because you can be adamantly against everything. You can talk whatever. You can say whatever you want. But these guys aren't hacks. The music is genuinely good. I think it's just an example of great minds think alike. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give them the benefit of a doubt as far as that runs, just because of how, like, this is just, oh, just listen to it. <laughs> Normally, I would be like, yeah, I mean, you, it sounds like Opet till the vocals kick in, but then, you know. Uh, <laughs> let's talk, it's, let, it's let's talk about let's talk about Paul's vocals for a second here. Let's. I'm going to get this out of the way now. He does not sound like Mike Ackerfeld. No, I don't think he does either. He has an amazing death growl, though. Like, he, he sounds so fucking good. And not only does he sound good, but you can understand what he's saying. 
which is something that really only him and Mike Ackerfeld have ever really That's, figured out. That is something that is very unique about November's Doom is the ability that you, you really do not need the lyrics book. You can just listen to the album for the first time driving in your car and get everything. Annunciation yeah. is important in extreme metal. If you're not enunciating, I can't understand what you're saying. What and no matter what you write on that paper, you didn't say it. It also makes it feel like there's this authority in yeah. your voice when you enunciate. Totally. Holy shit, like, Brutal Death Mike just showed up. <laughs> Hello. He's back. Where you been for like the past uh, 15 years, man? Marinating in a barrel of whiskey and poop. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm totally derailed. Uh... <laughs> but no, like um, not the strong, man, that song. I mean, he's he takes the themes, the lyrical themes in, from the knowing and he just goes even more extreme with them. Like, that, like, lyrics like, not the strong man she raised from birth, a coward, a child, and a scared soul. I'm like, dude, give yourself a break, man. You need a hug? <laughs> this is, I mean, this is brutal. At least you're the singer of this badass band. You know, like, clearly he does need a hug. You've got that going for you. Man, it's, it's rough. Like, you know. And he goes right into I am broken in spirit and body and mind, forever cold to the faith and life. Jesus. I mean, it could it come it could come across as overly indulgent if it didn't also come as just someone trying to honestly list their flaws. Wait a second, it's 2002 and this band put out a song called Broken. Yeah, well, we'll just uh, let that go. They had okay. new metal song naming <laughs> trends, but definitely not song composition trends. Uh. The lyric that really the lyric that really stood out to me is on track four, within my flesh, where he says, "Look at what your God has made me, placing spikes within my flesh, a crown of nails for my sunken head." to shy away from this freak. It's like, dude, I mean, give yourself a little bit more credit than you're giving yourself. Yeah. Pretty rough like, we, But dude, that seriously. voice, man. The seriously. voice. Paul, we here at Discography Discussion, we think you're a cool dude. Dude, yeah. Whatever seriously. That, whatever that means to you. Whatever you were going through back then, I'm glad you got through it. But totally man. down to do the interview. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, we are totally down to do the interview. But I think... This record took everything again. Like I feel like they're always trying to one up themselves, and they do it here. I have a little bit of a like personal attachment to the knowing, to the point where I'm like, oh, I don't know. This this might be the best November's Doom album. Why do you think that is? Because the knowing, like I, I've dealt with depression and, and things like that. And, Are you talking yeah. about the knowing or to welcome the fade? I'm talking about the knowing. Okay. Specifically, I've dealt with depression and. And the inevitability of my own death. Like, I mean, every every day I get up, man, I just hit my 30s and, like, well, I'm a couple years into my 30s. But uh, I definitely, like, when I wake up in the morning, I get up and, like, my feet hurt and, like, I bend down and it hurts. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like, it's not far off. Like, I mean, I've got another good 30 years on me, but, like, 30 years from now, life's going to be way fucking harder for me than it is right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just have to accept that I'm getting older and my body's breaking down and that, like, shit that I used to do just hurts now. And that that record really, really hits on a lot of those quote-unquote mid midlife crisis issues. This album does, too. I don't think it's even a midlife crisis. I think that a lot of it is just loving and hating, <laughs> learning to, yeah, and learning to, you know, well, you're going to get hurt, you know, just inev it's inevitable. But I think this record, I, I think that To Welcome the Fade is kind of doubling down on those concepts again. They don't come across as fresh as they did on The Knowing. And that that's why I enjoyed that record more, because it was kind of more of a new concept. 
because I feel like I feel like with previous November's Doom albums, they were far more cryptic in their lyrics, and it was a little bit more like, you know, what's gonna sound more fucking doom metal if I say this or if I say this. By the time you get to welcome or to welcome the fade, they don't do that anymore. Like Paul has decided that, like you know what, I'm just gonna say what I feel, and those are gonna be the lyrics. I don't care how doom metal it's, it, you know, it comes across, or or if, if people really care. I'm just gonna do this for me. And it's gonna be my own personal kind of uh, treatment or therapy. And and so I think the only issue I have with this record is that it. It does what the knowing did again, but it's like the it's like the law of diminishing returns. They've already done this once, so do in doing it again, I only enjoy it about half as much as I did before. I don't know. I think they take it a little. They just kind of take the theme and they. I don't want to say refine it. They expand on it. Yeah. There's a bit like you know lyrically at least, you you get before like you know oh, you know the realization of of the pain and then. By the time you get to the welcome of the fade, then well, you're you've realized it'll never end. <laughs> it's more exposition, yeah, and that's fine. I don't have a problem with this album. When I hear it, I'm not like, "Fucking turn this shit off." <laughs> and musically, it's, it's very very nice. And I don't feel that way about most uh, November Doom albums. I, I think I think overall these guys hit a fucking home run. Yeah, you know, they're not the kind of band that you would just switch off, but like you know, disgust at all. That's the thing, you know. They are, but um, I find I'm not always in the mood for them. But when I am, I, you know, pretty in the mood. Well, and this is kind of a send-off album. I feel like I feel like for the last three albums, they've done the whole death, doom, gothic metal thing very well, and they've taken it. They've taken it as far as they could take it. Like they couldn't do this again for album five, and me like take the band seriously. I'd be like. Ah oh, shit! We got another Slayer on our hands. They they found their formula, and now they're just gonna stick to only that. <laughs> Two thousand and five, the Pale Haunt departure. Ah yes. It's just the most brutal name for not so brutal album. It's a it's it's one of those brutal names that I still confuses me. <laughs> Uh, there's a one thing about the band which I don't know if it's because I'm just not that poetically minded or what, but some of it does kind of have a word salad feel to it, which is I mean obviously I've listened to I've, I've listened to In Flames, Dark Tranquility, they have a lot of the same thing going on there, but uh, no, it was, this is the first band, this is the first uh, album I heard from these guys, November's Doom, and uh, this this whole opening is incredible. Having not listened to the band very much up until this point, this was the first time I was really interested with what the band was doing. And that's unfair, but this album came out in 2005. It felt more like a composition, or specifically a metal composition, and less of a classic rock. I think it's sharper. I think there's more punch to it. I think it's in many ways much more uh it's, it's a little scarier i think than what came before this was also the first album i heard from the band so i had no idea like that they had the doom metal past and all that or whatever this was literally recommended to me by somebody that was like hey you like opeth and i was like well fuck yeah i do <laughs> they're like check this band out november's doom they do what opeth does but a little differently the shadow of Opeth is never far away. It never, even, it never is, especially once we get to this era of the band. Hell, I'm not even talking about just November Zoom. I'm just saying in general, man. I know, right? 
the Pale Heart Departure is really interesting to me because this is the band fully leaning into what their potential was. Your November's Doom. The album's called The Pale Haunt Departure. The first track, you say, a dying wish to rise again and leave behind a scarecrow's fate. Fucking, fucking November's Doom, Harvest theme, Scarecrow on the cover. They fucking nailed what the potential of their image is. With the children of the corn. They, they do, and it works so well. Uh, talking about a uh, uniquely American theme, the uh, from George Washington Irving onwards, our obsession with the autumn, the death, the decay, and later on, of course, the frightening things that dwell in the cornfields and the forests. Yeah, and that that I get images of all of that when I'm listening to this. Like, they perfectly crafted it. So, like, Opeth has a song called The Forest of October, and I have basically decided that I've decided that Opeth is October's band. <laughs> you know, they're, they're the band I listen to during that season. And it, it's kind of a similar vibe in that it's the harvest season. It's it's the fall. It's the decay. It's all that. And then November's Doom, well, they're obviously going to be my November band. They take those concepts of, okay, we're in November now, so we're more decayed. There's more of a harvest feel because I feel like with October, October is very overshadowed by Halloween. And especially where we live, it's much more of an Indian summer anyway. There's plenty of warmth in October here. Absolutely. November is when it starts getting cold out. And the decay is still there, and we're, we're harvesting our pumpkins. We're getting everything ready for Thanksgiving. And I, I feel like they capture that, that fall harvest feeling actually better than Opeth does. Whether that's intentional or not, they're like... Like, with this album especially, this is like, okay, Sweden has Opeth but we have November's due. And, and that's, that, that's the feeling that I get when I listen to this. Not to mention the feeling of November's Doom is more pronounced in the modern day than the Opeth theme of October that you're talking about. It's been years since the seasons got to exist in the month that they are classically associated with uh, not to mention the holidays not to get too political here. how many years has it been since we started to see christmas pop up in august well that's been our yeah. whole life right so now you have christmas in august but halloween is already on the way out like two months ahead of time because somebody somewhere ran a report and said you know what people don't buy halloween decorations in october they buy them in september Right. We should put them out now. So Opeth is classically the feeling of October, whereas November's Doom, they have a way of being the real modern feeling of November. It's not just the harvest, but it's the aftermath of the harvest. There's nothing but dirt and stalks on the ground, and we're still here looking for what's left. And I guess this is the first album, like the point that I was trying to make with all this is that this was the first album where they leaned into it. They didn't they didn't care as much. Like they weren't like, Well fuck if we do this, people are gonna compare us to Opeth. Well people are gonna compare you to Opeth no matter what you fucking do because yeah. you've got clean vocals and death vocals and you're melodic and you're progressive and you guys are good fucking players. You don't know not I mean? your like, fault you sound like Opeth. It's, it's not your a fault. The fact that they exist. Correct. That's all I had to say. Ready for the next album? Well, I know, no, no, no. There's still more I have to talk about. <laughs> so about you're, this so album. you're still, say, you're not done. <laughs> me and uh, we've all listened to this album a lot back in the day. 
when it first came out. Countless road trips, gatherings. Do you remember how I was saying on the last album that they were, or Paul especially was saying, like, I'm no longer worried about the metal tropes. He doesn't he doesn't fall into those generic metal tropes that a lot of these bands do. So you have a song like Swallowed by the Moon, which is about like a father who I guess dies before his child grows up. And so it's there's kind of, like the lyrics are kind of weird like he's like will you remember when I held you tight? Will you remember the sound of my voice? Once again the daylight fades and I'm swallowed by the moon. Will this experience scar your fragile mind? Will you remember when we would both laugh? Memories is all that you have. I'm sorry I failed you in life. I wanted to be more uh, for you when I could provide, be strong, when, and make your mother proud. Like, it, it feels weird hearing and make your mother proud. I always um, felt like he was haunting his son. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, and so, like, the lyrics are a little weird because they're so literal. You don't run into a lot of bands in this genre that write liter- literal lyrics. To be fair, a lot of their lyrics are pretty poetic, though, in general. So I guess it comes as more of a shock when the literal stuff jumps in. Yeah, and, you know, like you said before you were recording, Mike, it definitely becomes kind of a lyric salad, word salad. When he says, and like it, it culminates in him saying shit like, I stand alone in the company of none. Just, what's funny is I was I went on the TV Tropes page to find more examples of redundancy in lyrics. Quite prevalent. Uh, the best have done it. From Rush to the Beatles, like everyone's guilty of redundancy in lyrics. Absolutely. So we're, not here, we're not here to shit on November's Doom for that. No, I'm not shitting on them for that specifically, but it does show a, a shift. Like, this is not a lyric that would have occurred on Amid It's Hollowed Mirth. Yeah. But, like, who fucking cares, right? Because this record is far more listenable than that record was. It's not, like, a deal breaker. I'm not listening to it and being like, well, can't listen to November's Doom anymore because they said the floor is made out of floor. (laughs) One man's uh, floor is another man's ceiling. Right. It's so punchy, but then the (laughs) melodic parts are just interspersed so well. And talk about composition. This is just, ugh, gorgeous. This is my favorite November's Doom album. Still. Yeah, and even and it's one of those like, hey guys, it's my first time. <laughs> but I, I, I you really were my first. <laughs> I like the way this album is balanced amongst like between the heavy and the melodic. But uh, there are some criticisms I have with it in that it starts very heavy, but doesn't necessarily keep that intensity throughout the rest of the record. They snuck in the alternative influence and the melodic overall feeling and composition you were tricked sir you were tricked right so it's not it's not my favorite but it's not i mean it is my favorite but it's not their best it's not the best album by the band but it is the album i would recommend to anybody if you're wanting to know what november's doom sounds like if you want to know what you're in for when you listen to this band you need to start with this one it's the most enjoyable overall i think i can agree with that are we ready to dive in, guys, to the Novella Reservoir? 2007. We're just trying to be heavier again, guys. <laughs> We're trying to not be Opeth as much. We're trying to continue the metal overtone that eventually leaves the record and is replaced by rock and atmosphere and melodic doom and gloom. Why do they try to start the album off so positive? They've been doing it for a few now. <laughs> I know the, it's not uh, going to stay there. The uh, it, it does sound quite a lot like Pale Haunt in many ways to me, at least. 
In fact, The Pale Haunt and The Villa Reservoir were really the only two albums I ever listened to from this band, True Confessions, up until up until like the last few weeks, to be honest. The infamous phone call. Mike, you want to talk about November's Doom? Yes. Well, you have to like, listen to everything, like, <laughs> not just well, those two. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, wait, there's <laughs> ten albums here? What the yeah. hell? Yeah, it wasn't a straight yes. It was more like a, well, I guess so. <laughs> I have been fooled again. I've been betrayed again. Oh, that's Paramecium. Uh, betrayal. Can I make fun of the lyrics for a second? If you insist. Water engulfs me. It burns my sins away. What's Water wrong? doesn't burn, sir. What's wrong with that sentence? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Greek fire, man. It got Greek fire burning in the water. Come on. It's just me, right? I don't get it. Obviously, it's Themistocles. It's fighting the Persians right now. You know, our, our boys went back in time, saw the whole thing happen, and that's what the song is about. Enemy preys upon my flesh as darkness burns the sky. So much burning in this record. Burn. For a record that's about fucking water. <laughs> Go Surface into drifting the further. water. Taken from my sight, the only way to cleanse my soul is to drown my dirt with rain. rain I have a feeling he's very things. he's angry about something. I just do not know what exactly. No, because this is the first time where they're like, let's do a concept album, boys. You either do a concept album and it works, or you try too hard to make something contain a concept. I don't think they conveyed the concept well enough that I can cite pieces of the record and see where the composition is going. The best concept albums, in my opinion, are headed by one person who knows exactly what the overall theme is, knows what the story is, knows where they're going with it. And that was the wrong time to stop talking because Nathan Explosion just showed up on my fucking headphones. <laughs> yeah, but because he's so fucking, like, it's so fucking heavy, though, Joe. It's chunky. It's nice and chunky. I it don't is. dislike the record. It's just not the concept album that I feel like listening to. And you know what? That's fine. I just ignore the concept. It's kind of like when Becoming the Archetype put out their Physics of Fire album. I never knew it was this was a concept album. This was November's <laughs> Doom. to it. This is November's Doom. This is November's this, Dooms. Uh, that, 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 that sentence is fucking garbage. <laughs> this is November's Doom doing the same thing, but with water instead of fire. So what you're saying is November's Doom was watching Gremlins and Gremlins 2 and said, <laughs> I've got it. It's, it's Water, it's, but it's, it burns. And we're going to end the movie when he marries the Gremlin. It's not my Okay. <laughs> Fuck. We're really, gonna make dude? him screw the lizard thing. It's it's not that it's a concept album necessarily, but they definitely incorporate themes like floods, <laughs> rain, like there's a water theme that 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 is throughout the record. It might be just down to the writing style. Like if you sit down and just write the lyrics to your album in just like a week, a lot of commonalities are gonna rip into songs. I agree with you. And I don't think this is bad. That could be it. I don't know. I'm not saying that was it because I don't know, but that might be one reason. I like that. I like that the record has a theme. I like how fucking heavy it is. Like I, I, I criticized my favorite record by them, the Pale Heart Departure. Like I criticized that record for not being heavy enough. Like they didn't balance it well. They fucking figured it out on the Novella Reservoir. Oh yeah, it Reservoir. is. It is a bit heavier overall, but really I. Uh, kind of hard to decide which one I like better, to be honest. It doesn't have the emotional connection that Pale Haunt had. And th and that's where I get the whole Pale Haunt is my favorite because they balance lyrically and thematically better than they did when they're just going to try to focus around this one concept. Because 
one concept is cool, but it's also limiting. It, it means that you have to make specific decisions to fit your ideal. Make sure your concept is very broad. Yes. Like whenever Thrice came out with the Alchemy Index, like each individual Earth, was it air, Earth, fire, water, in general, a whole host of things to extrapolate on that. But you know, water itself, you know, it's pretty broad. I don't really like, like, like I said, I don't really think of this as a concept album at all. And it seems to be like there's also a lot of differences between like each different song subject. But one thing that I've noticed is that this is the first album when they start to dive into re more religious, more overt religious imagery and also religious criticism. I will say that not having really had the much, much time to really sit down and listen to the lyrics, I don't really know exactly what he's going for overall, but I know that when the novella Reservoir, it seems to me like he's viewing uh, organized religion in a, as a more parasitic force, which I would nowadays I would tend to agree with, but at the time it was a bit for me to swallow. He criticizes religion on the previous albums, but not in such an overt way. Like, he, he kind of laughs at the concept of people and putting their faith in God, like... And he's got kind of the age-old argument of, like, dude, this world is so full of suffering. How can you say that there is a all-loving, all-present God? Yeah, you got the problem of evil. Over it, which is a valid point, you know? You could go either way with that. Uh, totally. You really could. But uh, this song, you know, does uh, hold a lot of meaning for me, at least. You'd believe you... The more belief and the more faith you give something, the more power you do give it. If you decide to go out on a limb and really decide, like, you're going, okay, well, this thing happened, this is the true way, you're investing in it, and more time goes on, and the more effort you put into it, sunk cost fallacy, you've given it life, basically. And I think that's what the song is trying to get at, and I think it succeeds very well. If I could bring up the Opeth comparison one more time, I would say that November's Doom outdoes Opeth lyrically. In the sense that it is much more clear what November's Doom is trying to say. <laughs> and Opeth is just trying to be evil. Whereas with Opeth, I'm like, is this song about, about trying to fuck a dead person in the, in, very, in the frost? Yes, very hidden. <laughs> lots of loads of levels of meaning and hidden meaning. Yeah, like I, I don't care if that's what it's about. I just need to know if that's what it's about. Opeth is David Lynch. November's Doom is David Cronenberg. Yeah, and I feel like... I well feel like, said, sir. I feel like <laughs> November's Doom doesn't beat around the bush like Opeth does. Like, I feel like November's Doom could write a song and they would title it Fucking a Dead Girl in the Woods. <laughs> Opeth would be... Opeth I, is going to call it, like, as the ivory fucking falls or some shit. I, you know? I, I, with, 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 with silk and milky teardrops, I caress your latent form. Yeah, and like, I mean, I just, I don't have time for that shit, dude, in my age. Like, I just need to know. I just no need to know. Are you implying that as you age, you lose the capacity for subtlety? Yes, like, like, seriously. Definitely. Like, are you fucking a corpse in the woods or are you not? That's oh all I need to know. Because I'm I do not have 45 <laughs> minutes to go through this fucking spiel and this fucking dance Ooh. for you to finally just say, yeah, dude, it was me. I did I, it. I'm okay with either. Are you, Dan, are you but saying... But I just want to know. Are you saying and nobody got time for that? Ain't nobody got time for that dank, dank memes from 2011, people. 2009 into Night's Requiem Infernal. I mean, talk about spooky. Taking the spookiness of the Pale Haunt Departure... And just kind of upping that, getting all juicy spooky on you. It's not just the night, it's 
the Requiem Infernal of the night. Ooh. Who are you calling spook, Peckerwood? Imps and demons riding on like naked hags riding through the bush and the devil's just churning that butter, man. He's churning it real good. Making that sauce of salted devil butter. Okay, Mike, we're going to watch Haxon. Oh, yeah. We're going to watch Haxon on Movie Mosh. Let's just save oh, it for that. Oh, the dusk of me. Yeah. He uh, is churning some fucking butter in that movie. Oh, man, that dude, Haxon is just good vibes. Whoever they around. got to play the devil, like, how did that even come about? Like, time of his life. Hey, dude, we're, <laughs> we're filming a movie and we just felt like you would be the best part for the devil. Oh, it's quite. It's, I really love this concept. I brought my butter churn with me. Yeah, like, can you churn some devil? butter for us? Does okay, the devil so even have a butter it. churn? It's like we don't. Like, yeah, yeah, he does. I know. That's a preview of the movie mosh episode about Haxon. <laughs> dude, dude, yes. So, what's please. on the agenda for movie mosh? Let's just get it out right now. We're doing Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Yes. Haxon. Yes. We're going to do the Coffin Joe trilogy at one point. Yep. Yeah, Anything bro? else you want to just. Give the listeners right now, right up front. Oh, well, speaking of Ralph Baskey, we got to do Ralph Baskey's uh, Fire and Ice. I would Fuck argue yeah. for American uh, American pop because, as far as music goes, like basically from ragtime to 1980s pop, covers everything in that movie, and it's a cool story too. Back on November's Doom. <laughs> All right, we just thought we'd throw an ad in what for is our November's other show Doom? on here. What is November's Doom, you guys? It's your Doom. It's uh, Dan installing. Well, we already talked about that. We did We've this already. already. We're talking shop here. I you feel. Know. Yeah, I feel like we're repeating ourselves. <laughs> Into Night's Requiem Infernal. Woo! Oh boy! Oh so, boy, guys! Evil path much? It is very evil, and I like it. This album probably sounds the most like Opeth out of all their stuff. Skin of the Witch. I would I would say the next one probably is the closest they've ever gotten to be honest at least for me and if I would have if time were convenient I could have listened to it way more to elaborate on that but oh welcome well. to discography discussion <laughs> that's right we give our unvarnished thoughts our rough sandpapered if lucky thoughts is it just me or is this record like really fucking anti-religion? <laughs> well, is that what they're trying nah, to tell me? Nah. Two thousand years, the child, the king, taunted by the demons who pray beyond this day, foreseen by your God. Where is he when the darkness comes? I don't really like honestly a lot of these lyrics. I don't get if like Christ is a sympathetic figure to be pitied, or if like he's all he's like a ravening demon. Like I don't really understand what they are going for a hundred percent. Well, Mike, that's uh, that's up for you to decide. Okay, demon, Not uh, a sympathetic demon. Oh, damn! Hell's okay. yeah, man! Paradise Lost all over again. Only Some symp- he wins. sympathy for the devil is that's what we're going for here. Okay, yes, yes. Inferno fails, my brothers. <laughs> I actually really like this because this is the most aggressive stance this band has made on anything. Yeah, it's nice to hear, like you know, just forthright opinions sometimes. Absolutely, and and you know, I don't think. I think it goes beyond opinion. I, I think that Paul is the kind of guy that has taken a concept and he's weighed the pros and cons and he's developed his own unique interpretation of it, which I think is the most honest thing you can do. Is it really unique, though? Not How now. many people have had this exact same opinion? <laughs> it's 2009. It wasn't really that controversial. Since if the anything, 70s. <laughs> it was controversial that in 2009 it was easy to tell people about your opinions a la the internet. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to anything remotely about diabolicism or, Christ- or criticism of Christianity. It becomes very old hat after a while, so... 
I mean, hey, man, should have gotten in on the ground floor. Burzum and mayhem and all that. I don't know, man. I feel like this was done much more sincerely. Yeah, I mean, well. You mean like he no. took the time to think about it and said, yeah, guys, I, uh, I'm not into that. <laughs> well, I think that's true of most of the November's Doom albums. I think some of it, though, is more about the idea that there's a human being that I'm buying into what they're saying as opposed to God as a whole. Whereas this right. is, no, I'm I'm talking about the deity now, guys. There's no question. I'm not talking about the guy that you think is telling you about all of this. I'm talking about the actual deity itself. I'm not talking about televangelists or... You know, are those types of people, and well, that's easy. You know, it's easy to point at the hypocrites and the people that completely fail as Christians. That's where they start, though, with this type of message. It's not about the deity; it's about the people that everyone else is paying attention to. Yeah, but when the you one in front of your God face, himself, when you ever go up the concept of the religion, I think that's way ballsier. And I think, yeah, because you know, even bands like Slayer, you can say they're criticizing religious people. There are times where they go straight for the for the for the horse's mouth, so to speak. But you know, this was this I thought was a very intelligent, well like well planned out criticism of religion in general, Christian religion more specifically. Well, in America, it's Christianity. Yeah, it, it kind of defaults to that for the most part. Yeah, and like I think while that's a generic concept for most metal bands. November's Doom, they approach it the way they approach everything else. And so you get a more well-thought-out, heartfelt expression of that. It's like, so so tell me how you really feel, guys. <laughs> yeah, but it's thing. not, I don't think it's spiteful, though. Yeah. I think it's more, I think it comes off as more genuinely angry, to be honest. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think that this record is unique to me, not as much musically, but more so lyrically, because I feel like musically... They're kind of going down that same path that they that they kind of carved out with uh, Pale Hong. They've kind of fallen into a sweet spot musically. Well, yeah. So are they cashing in on the sound that they've been working towards this whole time? Or is this another minds thinking alike? It just kind of sounds like Opeth, and we're just doing our thing because we're tired of arguing about it. I feel awful that we keep on coming back to Opeth because, I mean, for me personally, like I said... I think it's the next album where it becomes the most apparent. Air apparent. Oh. I see what you did there. Uh, had to, had to. Oh. No, I just think that this record is great, though. Like, I enjoy it. I don't think that they're bringing much new to the table, but as I've noticed, as they've gone on, they're incorporating more of that faster sound. Yes. The the You know, like, at this point, they're a progressive death metal band. They're, Honestly, I've they're always no longer thought of them a death. Fast. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're they're not a they're not a death doom band anymore. The way the Pale Haunt Part Departure, that was the way I was introduced to them, and the way that opening song just starts with this slow drum drumming beat that gets faster and faster and more driving and driving. I like to find out that they used to be a doom band actually quite surprised me. Well, and I think the name Departure is not just a clever name. It was where they're like, okay, we're going to leave the doom stuff behind, and at this point, they're a progressive death metal band. I mean, as a term that can safely be applied to many different bands because it's such a broad characterization, I would agree with that. Are we ready for a photic? Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. 2011. I like bands that teach me new words, guys. <laughs> a photic definition that I just whipped off of uh, online means portions of a lake or ocean where less than 1% 
of sunlight penetrates. So oh God, we are talking, talking about water again. Talking the place, <laughs> the place where the little multi-toothed, jiggly, glowy lantern fishies live. That's my super scientific word for them. Jiggly, you say? Lamprey, jiggly, the jiggly lamprey. It's my favorite dive bar. That's fair. I think this record. Well, I might just want to let Mike say it. This sounds a lot like Opeth to me personally. And this might be the last time we say that. I hope it is because I feel awful that we have. It seems like half the discussion has been, is is this or is this not like Opeth? And well, I think there's that a reason that, we brought you back on, Mike. I know, right? Uh, I'm already typecast. But no, I just feel like it's it's definitely something. It's in the same genre. It's in the same kind of feel, but they are quite different with a few exceptions. And it's just strange to me how they were always compared to Opeth overtly, like through so much of their run, but it's only been like with Aphotic that it became like the most apparent to me at least. And it's unfair because this is not a style where you can stand shoulder to shoulder and still be enjoyed without being criticized. Right. If there's only a handful of bands that play like this, then then one is probably going to be just the, the trendsetter. One is going to be the one that's there. So It's unfortunate, though, because this is not the same style of music that Opeth was playing, even in 2011. No. It's unfair to this band that it's that easy to compare them, but if you don't talk about it, then we can't find the thing that they should be recognized for. And unfortunately, I like November's Doom. I think the thing they need to be known for is the overall feeling, the dread and despair that they gave us in the early to mid-2000s. This album is worth talking about because it's not so much atmospheric. It's a little more straight metal, which you've heard a little bit of from this band, but now you're getting a little more of it. It's the... It's the early 20-teens, and I want to know where they're going to go from here because this is not where they were even five years before. I have to admit I get a little bit nervous anytime I'm reading through a track listing and I see a song called Anything Part One. I'm like, (laughs) oh, fuck, here we go. Luckily, they were not assholes about this. You don't have 30-minute fucking songs. One's a part one, part two. You have a five-minute part one and a three-minute part two. You have a record that's still less than an hour somehow. They feel like they're all at least an hour, but uh, this one only goes on for 50 minutes. And like Joe said, it is much more of a straightforward go-for-the-throat type of album, which, again, is kind of an experimentation for November's Doom. I don't feel like they've been this brutal since the first album, but they're doing it way better this time. Yeah. I really don't have much to say about this album personally. I'm really, yes, I'm really into Paul Kerr's clean vocals across their career. I think they sound really good here, and uh, there's a comment that I'm going to have to make fun of somebody for. See, I have a, I, I was watching a video this week of November's Doom playing Grass Pop Festival in 2004. There's a whole video on YouTube, and the top comment on that video is. This dude's like the American Michael Ackerfeld. Granted, YouTube comments are the lowest of low-hanging fruit. This was three years ago, and I'm so sorry it took me so long to call you out on this. But really, dude? I mean, his growl doesn't sound like Michael's. His clean vocals 
certainly don't sound like Michael's. I'm not going to say that Michael's better, but like he kind of is more versatile. Whereas Paul's vocals are more subdued in kind of that doom metal sort of way. It's his clean vocals are the only the only thing that makes me still say doom metal when I'm thinking about this band because they're more forlorn. They're a little bit more like melancholy sounding. Whereas with Michael, it's just kind of whatever the song calls for. With November's Doom, there's like a specific theme with the vocals. So like, I mean, honestly, man, before you just comment on shit, can you just actually <laughs> listen to it? Because it's not the same thing, and it, it bugs the fuck out of me that you said that. Again. I don't know if it's that rage-inducing. <laughs> with small reference pools. But let's talk about the comments since you brought it up. This guy's the American Michael Ackerfeld. So what you're saying is he's a guy who plays a similar style of music with a similar vocal style who happens to be from a different country. There's nothing wrong with that comparison in and of itself. It's innocent. It's innocent. But I can see how it would be triggering, Dan. It's only, it's only, <laughs> no, okay, no, it, it's not innocent. There is no reason for you to be this upset about it. No, because it's just like, fuck, this is a deep band. They deserve more than just you making a fucking cosmetic comparison. That's like fucking saying that Napalm Death sounds like, I don't know, fucking Pig Destroyer. And the Dark Crystal is like Game of Thrones with puppets, dude. They, yeah, like it's 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 kind of like, yeah, both bands. I read an article literally with that line. Both bands play a, a kind of a more subdued death metal style. With a guy that fucking growl belches the lyrics, but also sings. Does that make Demon Hunter as good of a band as, as Scar Symmetry? Ooh. No. Does that make Soil Work as good of a band? Or does that make In Flames as good of a band as Soil Work? No. Like, yeah, there's some similarities. Like, it's like looking, it's like looking at two fucking pictures, and one has more purple in it, and the other one has a little bit of purple in it, and you're like, oh, look at that, they're both fucking purple. Well, yeah, motherfucker, they are. But, like, if you actually look at the thing, look at each picture, they're different. So, like, fucking, how is that the top comment? I'm the only downvote on that. If you see a downvote on that, that, that was me. So tell us how you really feel, Dan. So why is it acceptable to say Jimmy Ryan is like Dan Wayant, only it's metalcore? He isn't. They sound different. Listen to them side by side. Let's talk about the next fucking album. I'm angry now. <laughs> 2014. Bled white. So, like, all of the blood's gone. Totally. You're, like, straight up embalmed at this point. Exsanguinated. That's a nice word. That's fucking brutal. Jesus, Mike, come on. Only the most brutal and smart words are allowed here. Harmatia. A quality, or lack thereof, which leads a character to depressing decisions. These lyrics are so depressing. I'm like, how is this dude even still around? The fight is gone. I have nothing left. I've long begged my final plea. With heartfelt hate, I prayed for your death. My implore was answered. I loom atop your grave. That song's called Heartfelt. My imploring might have been a better... That's where I get into the whole thing. Like I said... Well, it's dark some, lyrics, so it could be wrong. Uh, it, that's true, too. Uh, they're better than Genius lyrics. I don't I have anything to say. Much. <laughs> other than this is the best record this band has put out to date. It's dark. It's got the production quality. The vocals are up front where they need to be. He's doing the melodic thing. He's doing the heavy death thing. I have nothing negative to say. Yeah, it's a solid. It's a solid album. I think it's because I've only listened to it once this week, 
that I've really not, I don't really have much to say about Aphotic, Blood White, and Harmatia. Too much overall. But, um, well, it's, it's, it's good. I remember listening to it and being like, yep, this is more November's Doom. Can I take a minute to appreciate how his death vocals have not degraded over time? That is definitely, that, that's definitely something to talk about there. He's able to keep it very consistent, too. He's better. He gets better on every release. Yeah. And he was good on the first one. Yeah. Like, how do you how do you push yourself to continually be better when you've already hit the mark? You uh, switch up the uh, growls with the, with the clean singing. That's how you do it, guys. That's how you do it, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's how you do it. My peanut, my peanut gallery opinion there. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I love this record. I think it's depressing. But, I, you know, to, to kind of fall into what you guys are saying, it's the next album by November's Doom. It's better than the previous, but it still follows that same thing. It's heavier. They always get heavier on each release, which, again, is very unusual uh, for, for these types of bands where, you know, um, another band that shall not be named had pretty much abandoned the death metal style completely at this point. But November's Doom is still representing it full force, and they're earnest about it. One, that is one thing that is interesting about this band is that usually with bands with this long of a run, there's going to be an album usually in the middle or towards the end of their discography, which is kind of an embarrassment. You yeah. can't say that about November's Doom. Arguably, they've gotten be, better. Some might be less tight than others, so to speak, but overall, quality's good. There's no St. Anger. There's no... Um, you know, soundtrack to your escape. If <laughs> we want to get into that, if their no, goal is to that. be underground, doom and gloom, black metal heavy, they're doing that, and they keep doing that. 2017, Hamartia. It's funny that you said black metal there because there's a little bit of that influence on this album. I think that's fair. There's more vocal mixing going on on this album. That I'm not going to pronounce because I'm bad at pronouncing names like this. Armatia, I think. Armartia. Looked it up. So-called uh, fatal flaw leading to the downfall of a tragic hero or heroine. Oh, In man. Greek means to miss the mark, to err. A.K.A. November's fucking doom. <laughs> Which really, when you think about it, Armatia would maybe be a good way to describe the overall uh, thematic subjects running through so many of these albums. I love this record. Like, Devil's Light just comes in. Like, they've got a freshness to them on this record that they haven't really achieved since I heard Pale, uh, Pale Haunt Departure. Like, this record is kind of fresh-sounding. And it's because it's a faster pace, and there's more, like I said, there's more vocal mixing going on with, like, higher-pitched shrieks and, and lower death growls and stuff. And there's a little bit more of, like, a melodic death metal feel to all of it. Like, and I mean, like, traditional melodic death metal, like, at the gates type stuff. Oh, this is it, ghostly sounding. It's not overly, it's not overly obvious, but it is there. And uh, so it's, it's kind of cool hearing them incorporate some of those European influences back into the band. And when they've been nice. so distinctly American up to this point. It's nice to hear the spookiness. They do the spookiness so well with those background effects. I wish they would do that more because they do it very, very well. Throw the production quality out the window. This sounds like an underground blackened death metal album that came out in the year 2000, 2002. But November's Doom put out alternative-sounding atmospheric rock. So the band really hasn't changed at the core of the style. They just got a little bit more production value. Pretty much. I think that's a good way to sum it up. And that is outstanding to me. 
We've talked about The Coffin Train by Diamond Head or Firepower by Judas Priest being classic heavy metal albums released with modern production. This is a classic underground album with modern production. Have we ever had one of those? Oh, that's hard. Survey says no. Can I read my favorite lyrics off the whole album? Yes, please. Track six, Apostasy. I seek the pale fog that creeps across the earth, crawling through the muck. I saw your God today, washed up on the shore where the feel mourn. His flesh was pale, his eyes were hollow, deceiving life in the setting sun. Your God is dead, dude. Okay, I added the dude, but like... I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> that's the 2019 version that's half new metal. Right, right, yeah, like... <laughs> your God is dead, dude! dude. Yeah, I added the dude, but like, it just, I mean, this is a culmination of the journey that they've taken as a band. Like, this is, this was like, the first few albums were developing the worldview, and now they are full card-carrying members of that worldview, and so he's able to just say these things with whatever authority he has, you know, as a metal singer, but uh, it hits hard. And I liked a little bit of the black metal influence on the on the lyrics and the vocals and the music, because number one, it speeds the band up a little bit more, and it, it just gives this feeling of of completeness, like that we've come full circle, you know, like we've we've left our hometown after years and years and years of being away. We come back, we're a different person, and this is how we interpret the world that we used to live in now. Right on. And that's what I love about this album. Like lyrically, it's it's rock solid. Musically, it's rock solid. This band's never put out an album that I was like, oh god, yeah. What are, what are you guys doing? That's Not the that. Thing. Anything but that. There's some that I like more than others, but overall, I could listen to any one of them. Totally. You know, it's not a, a question of quality overall. Final thoughts on November's Doom. Well, they have a new album coming out, don't they? On November first. Yes, a very appropriate time, and I think it's interesting because. For me, I've, of course, you guys know me. I listen to lots of experimental stuff, lots of neo-folk stuff. The uh, label they're signed to now, Prophecy Records, is almost nothing but that kind of thing. And I've been following them for several years. So it's very interesting to see these guys join that label now. I think it's a good move for them personally. I think they get more exposure that way. Is that your final thought? Final thought, overall, November's Doom, you know, not the one I always think of whenever I go to my metal collection, but whenever I do and I'm in the mood for them, it, it just hit the spot. Incredible band, unfairly compared to many others, mainly just because of that whole, like, you know, same minds coming to the same ideas at the different ends of the earth, maybe. And you could argue about that. You're definitely free to disagree with it. But again, since the quality has been so high, they've exhibited nothing but professionalism and pretty much about the opposite of hacks and we get to their behavior and how they've carried themselves throughout the years. So I'm willing to take, like I said, I'm willing to give them the benefit of a doubt on many similarities with some of the stuff I've heard. And I think that they definitely stand alone when it comes to other qualities. So overall, good, cho- good choice. Do they stand alone in the company of none? <laughs> you might you might be able to say that. They certainly did. What? Dan, what about you? I think you can't go wrong with November's Doom. I mean, shit, man. They've put out like <laughs> 10 albums, soon to be 11, and they've never fucked up. Like, yeah, we criticized the first album a little bit, but like, as far as it being a death doom album, it fucking 
does the fucking deed. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they do it and they do it earnestly. And I think everything they've done since then has been earnest. It's been sincere. And, you know, again, they never, they've never gone off in some weird territory, you know, like to where I'm just completely alienated as a listener. And, you know, some of the bands that we compared them to did do that. So, I mean, really, they, they've got top marks for me, man. Joe, what do you think? This is not my favorite style of metal. When I listen to it, I fall into the Opeth comparison camp too easily because that is the most exposure I've had to this type of metal. And I'm talking about Deliverance, Damnation, Air Apparent, those types of songs, those types of records. November's Doom is a band that did the underground thing that everybody made fun of. This album sounds like an underground metal album. The vocals just have this flat, reverb-driven production. The drums don't really go anywhere. The guitars just have one level, and they don't move. But they kept doing it. There are so many underground bands that play this style of metal that release two or three songs, and it sounds like shit. It sounds like a guy in his basement with his cassette recorder just doing overdubs, trying to create something that he thinks is amazing because it sounds like shit. But November's Doom, they take the concept, the atmosphere, the feeling that they present, and they build on it every single record. And what you have now is a modern-sounding band that still has that same feeling of what they're trying to tell you from the early 2000s and the late 90s. How many bands have the underground sound in 2017? And when their new album comes out, we will definitely be doing a Patreon review on it because I'm interested. I want to know if they just change everything or if they're going to continue the underground doom and gloom that is November's Doom. I would be very surprised if they all of a sudden decided to go <laughs> pure like emo. full, like pure emo or new metal or something like that on us. I would be, that would be quite a shock, actually. And I typically am not shocked by genre changes when it comes to bands because you usually can see it coming. Like with Opeth, you could see it coming. With Flames, you could see it coming. But with November's Doom, it would be completely out of left field. Dan, what's your album of the week? Well, speaking of bands that totally went new metal out of nowhere, I'm going to go with Gideon out of control. Fuck the haters. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Uh, about as far from any form of metal as you can possibly get. I've been listening to, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, R.I.P., by the way, Suzumo Yukato is a 2000 record Sakura. Basically, if any of you guys watch Adult Swim very much, a lot of his music sounds like some of the better music that are under bumps. So, you know, really chill, nice stuff to relax to. For me, it's Ailstorm, Sunset on the Golden Age. Aye. <laughs> I've been on a pirate punk metal thing recently, Mike. They're fun. They're fun. You know, you know, we are here to take your beer, steal your rum at the point of a gun. I can get down with that. And pillage you with our ships. That's why By I stopped By ships, brewing. he means a dick. <laughs> Stop brewing because, you know, all the pirates are taking the beer from me. Now I'm a pirate. I take other people's beer. And dicks. And that, too. I mean, he kind of got it. It's lonely out there. Have you ever been listening to this podcast and wondered, why do these guys not talk about my favorite band? I want them to talk about my favorite band, but instead they're talking about, like, 
some other shit that I'm not into. Yeah, Dan, how can we get you to talk about our favorite band? Well, I can't read your mind, Joe. You have to tell me. And the only way you can tell me is, well, there's actually a few different ways. There's not just one way. You can reach out to us on Facebook, on facebook.com slash discography discussion. We even have our own Facebook group that if you ask to join, I will let you join unless you're some kind of weirdo. You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. You can re- reach out to Joe and I personally at Discuss Metal Dan or Discuss Metal Joe, respectively. We have a Discord server where people are talking to us 24-7. There's a link to our Discord server in the show notes. Click on that link and you will be invited to the Discord goodness. If you're old school, though, you can always send us an email at Show at gmail.com. And we will respond to that. Let us know what your favorite band is, what you had for lunch today, how you're feeling, whatever you want. Just let us know, and we will probably respond to you. All hail. And on that note, this has been Episode 139 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please, send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. I'm ready to Scrooge McDuck into this pile of money. 